0: Son, Yoko I'm Weebro Derek.
1: I am Weebro Sean.
0: And this is the Weebros Anime Podcast. We've got a lot on deck for today. We've got the weekend review, final thoughts on Megalobox, our review of Violet Evergarden and the Vault of Series Past that was pushed back a week, and the summer preview, so a whole lot of fun. But before we get started in our Season 1 finale episode, I have to say, Sean, before we get started... With that, there is one story I want to discuss because it's relevant to a thing we talked about back when we learned that Pop Team Epic was making it into the summer lineup on Toonami.
1: Cool, what is it?
0: We both agreed that it sucked that a lot of those shows, those anime shows, aired only overnight, which limits the total viewership they can receive, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I reminisced for a bit about watching Dragon Ball Z after school and all that jazz, and I have some bittersweet news that pertains to that. Adult Swim will now be airing Dragon Ball Super reruns at 8 o'clock Monday through Friday. The new episodes will run in that overnight block at whatever time ten thirty, whatever they have it running and then the following day they will rerun dragon ball super at eight o'clock which i think is a much better time slot generally speaking right
1: oh yeah yeah kids will be able to actually see it so that's a good thing
0: That's the sweet part. The bitter part, though, is that it's replacing King of the Hill.
1: Oh, that does suck. Yeah. I don't know. People have seen King of the Hill. I think that's a good move, really, to replace with Dragon Ball Super, which you're going to get some new fans. But King of the Hill, it's a done. It's done. Yeah. Dragon Ball Super is relatively new.
0: I remember being disappointed when they did cancel all new seasons of King of the Hill. But I've been a fan of that show for many years now. If there is an American cartoon that ever was comparable to the slice of life genre, it would have been King of the Hill. And I thought it was a fantastic series. If I ever make a list of top five animated series that aren't anime, which is probably actually a really good idea for a show down the line, chances are King of the Hill will be on it.
1: Oh, yeah, that'd be on my top five easily. I love that show.
0: King of the Hill just, there was something about it. The fact that it wasn't a million pop culture references like South Park or like American family dad guy. or family guy right but you can see why a series like king of the hill wouldn't have been all that popular it's great that it had the run that it did sad to see dragon ball super overtake it and, and bump it out of that television lineup but at the same time now you've got a chance for kids like i was x number of years ago watching dragon ball z after school now you can have a chance for kids probably of the same age watching dragon ball super and i think that's, yeah, that's... nice Without further ado then, we'll dive right in, starting with Darling in the Franks, episode 23, Darling in the Franks. Hiro and the gang head into space, while the gang minus Kokoro and Mitsuru, because they have their own problem to deal with now, that problem being an unplanned pregnancy. It is nice to see them, I think, uh, decide to try to make things work, even though neither of them initially remember having been married or even liking each other for that matter. Anyway, they're off to Mars now. Mars orbit, I should say. And ooh baby, Hero connects with Alpha, the one kid that's the leader of the nines. From this, we, I guess, finally get spoken confirmation that they can be both pistols and stamens, which is why they seemingly defy that norm of needing a dude and a chick to pilot a Franks. But things get pretty interesting when they get into space, don't they, Sean?
1: Yeah, a huge space battle. I, this episode was, was pretty cool, pretty action-packed. Kind of all over the place a little bit, but I actually did like this episode. It's a nice change of pace, seeing the nines. Well, I forget the guy's name. But yeah, yeah,
0: Alpha, right?
1: He was a jerk. Whatever, he died. I don't care. He's gone. That's cool.
0: <laughs> he uh, had a, a nice little moment, though. He gets Hero into the giant Strezilia apis thing or apis as they're calling it and he decides he's gonna self-destruct the one mecha that they're in in order to blow up that a fairly large verm fighter in space it's kind of a little bit of redemption for him at the end don't you think
1: Uh, yeah i did redeem him a a little bit and it looked like they were all gonna die anyway for some reason Uh, so it was kind of nice yeah he did redeem himself a little
0: hero makes it to the cockpit and invites himself to be swallowed into zero two's mind or whatever and they reunite and she literally then becomes the Strazilia bioweapon, <laughs> kind of like how all the girls are the faces of the mechs, of the Franks units, only her body is legit half the ship. How did you feel about that?
1: Man, it was hilarious. I laughed my ass off when that happened. That's so out there. She, She's a giant <laughs> mech. She just transforms into a giant robot but she, it's just so out there
0: the worst part I, is it is but it isn't it's not like they hadn't mentioned when they were talking about the way the klaxosaur things work that they are legit living breathing bio weapons and so i thought about it, and i was like okay as kind of comical as this looks it kind of fits in with what they were saying with how the klaxosaur weaponry. Operates in that the people fuse, the Claxo Sapiens fuse together to create it. So when I thought about that way, I was like, okay, it, it makes sense, even though it looks stupid. Anyway, they kick the Vermfleet's ass and they decide to jump out of the solar system through a warp gate, wormhole type thing with the goal of delivering a bomb to the core of the Verm Empire and defeating them once and for all. And I did like this episode. I thought it was really fun, really action packed, like you were saying, but I can't help but feel that they absolutely flew through this space battle arc Thing that the, the Verm arc really in general way too quickly. It's been what three or four episodes, and they've already introduced the Verm and now basically defeated the Verm.
1: That's one of my problems with this show. They keep adding stuff, not really wrapping things up well enough. You know, a lot of people online are saying that it felt rushed, but I, I agree. This episode was a lot of fun. And another thing that I read online that I did not notice watching the show is um strelitzia alpha or zero two in her giant form she's wearing a wedding dress did is you that notice that
0: that was
1: yeah she and hero are running off to get married and come <laughs> back
0: meanwhile on earth mitsuru reproposes to kokoro with his little metal ring and i guess they're a thing again now so that's cute. This whole time Kokoro has been watching Zero Two's body just get torn up, because she's still disconnected from it until she fossilizes on Earth, and then becomes the giant strazelia thing. Uh, but Mitsuru and Kokoro do have a cute little moment. I thought it was a little overly dramatic, but uh, that's fine. If there is one thing this series has going for it, though, it is that all of the fight scenes have looked very cool. One thing that has been consistently good, even if the storytelling has been all over the place, and some of the other things The battle animation has consistently been there.
1: I agree. Yeah, it is fun to watch. My only real complaint about the fighting is the generic enemies but you know it is still fun
0: they've got one more episode to work with here and that is another place there have been two or three episodes now where i felt that they could have ended it if they wanted to end things there they could have ended it just as easily as well with hero and zero two going off into space to get married and deliver a bomb so what on earth do they do with this final episode
1: i don't know i think the rest of them need to become giant mechs as well
0: (laughs) fair enough that's the winner Let's move then to, we'll jump through space and time over to Steins Gate Zero, episode 12, Mother Goose of the Mutual Recursion, or Recursive Mother Goose, if you will. The more I read these, the more I think that the titles we're seeing on Verve are just alternate names, like it's not all meant to be read as one, you know what I mean?
1: I think they just open a dictionary and put their finger down on a random word and then string it off together.
0: Either you read it as Mother Goose of Mutual Recursion or Recursive Mother Goose. Not both. Uh, Uh, Not to me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we spend a good portion of the episode following our heroes as they attempt to figure out the origin of a song that Kagari remembers from her childhood. She doesn't remember a whole lot, but we do get a very foggy memory of her being adopted by Mayuri and singing this song with her. Uh, for whatever it's worth kagari learns it from mayuri who learns it from suzuha who learned it from her mom yuki who learned it from a student in her baking class that she teaches and it turns out that class member is okabe's mom and she picked it up from him because he used to sing it to cheer mayuri up and neither one of them remembers so to quote okabe here at this point It's just like a telephone game.
1: Yeah, this is a pretty bizarre episode. Uh, Ocarine doesn't remember learning the song, but at the very end, after the credits, you see the the origin of him learning that song. And he learns it from the girl from the future. Fuck, man, I don't remember all these names. I can't help myself. Kagari? Yeah, 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 the new girl, the new... uh,
0: And they had a van, too, where they were creeping on her at the bus or train stop or whatever it was, and it was the voice of some guy that's like, we found Runaway K6205, and then it ends. So was that kid supposed to be Okabe? Is that what that was supposed to be?
1: I think so. They didn't, you know, really say, but it looked like him. He's the only character that kind of looks like that with the black hair, short black hair. But uh, if you remember last episode, a bunch of Russians jumped out of the van and shot up the laptop. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. i think it's the russians probably again uh, i wanted to point out in the last episode when the russians destroy the laptop and Ocarina and gang are like oh cool it's finally over now no one can get that information the russians they already have that information that's why they wanted to destroy the laptop because they don't want anyone else to have it so i don't know why they were you know resting and thinking it was because- all done
0: Okabe has shown incredible lack of foresight in everything so far this season. Suzuha has been the most level-headed one as of late, and she has another meeting with him on the rooftop. This time, she does not threaten him with a firearm. Also, fun fact about Suzuha: she's a champion curry eater at one of the local diners. They call her the Silent Slaughterer.
1: And she's known as the Warrior, right? I mean, uh, what's her her nickname, even in the first season?
0: Uh, (sighs) She is pretty kick-butt give her that yeah
1: and she says she's going to do battle but she's mm-hmm. really going to compete in this curry
0: eating competition that, that she's pretty- won three times now That's three pretty times. Great. now that is even though this whole episode doesn't really feel like a whole lot watching through it. It seems like, all right, what is our group doing? They're doing a whole lot of nothing. It does introduce the concept of the time paradox into this universe now because we've got this weird loop that nobody really knows where it begins or where it ends. And that's an interesting thing to see. The the entire concept now of the time loop into this world specifically, I have a feeling that they will come back to it somehow or further explore this concept. But with this show, there's just really no way of guessing how they're going to do it
1: is this the part in the show where it gets exciting <laughs> Maybe. I'm still waiting.
0: Every now and then, they'll show glimpses. They'll show that they can be exciting. Side note, Mayuri and Kagari do have a pretty strong bond now. They're drawn together. In the beginning, they're drawn together despite not knowing what happens in the future. Kagari keeps having these weird music-induced episodes where she's trying to find her mom. And then at the very end, she does realize that Mayuri is her adoptive mother. Mayuri has no idea what's going on, but she just rolls with it.
1: Yeah, this show, man. Come on, kick it into gear. Episode 12 already.
0: Still not sure how I feel about the story at this point, but I will say I do like the music. And I don't know if you were really listening all that critically this episode, but they had some very good music. Very eerie. And it's been this way the whole time. The music seems every bit as somber as everybody involved in the story.
1: Yeah, it does have my favorite music out of all the shows we're watching, especially the opening song. I really like it. Mm -hmm. And whenever there's a fun moment going on, there's this happy little jingle that plays, and I, I can't describe it, but I don't know. It makes me happy whenever I hear it.
0: One thing that did make me well, I don't I won't say it made me happy, but I did find some amount of peace with it was the ending of Megalobox. Episode 13, Born to Die. It's the final match, Yuri versus Joe. We get the match underway. It jumps pretty much right into it at the start of the episode. And the fight's going on. Joe, as per usual, is getting his butt kicked. Yukiko, to her credit on the side, is still trying to push this bio-integrated gear, even though Yuri has had it stripped out of him and is no longer displaying it on the thing. So credit to her for continuing to try to stick to her plan and pitch it anyway. She's trying to pitch it as a military technology now. And then we get the fight going on and we get into, I forget what round it was, but they get into the later rounds. I think it's like the 13th round, the farthest they've ever gone in a megalo boxing tournament probably because at this point it's a regular boxing match and then they flash forward a year from the match
1: they get to round 13 and joe is not looking too good yuri's looking pretty bad they're just beating the crap out of each other and they have a little monologue and they both they fly at each other and it looks like they both hit each other at the same time and then it it ends and you're like well who won they leap a year ahead.
0: Gym nowhere is a thing. There's a gym now with blind Nanbu being the primary trainer, practicing like a, a one-year speech or something. And yeah, then that was we pretty get, cute. Yeah, and, th- and then we get kind of hints throughout as to what happened in the end of that match, don't we?
1: We see Yuri in a wheelchair, and during his fight, With Joe, he didn't want to sit down because he knew if he did, he'd never be able to get back up again Mm -hmm. because removing that integrated gear weakened him so badly. Mm -hmm. So we see him a year ahead and he's in the wheelchair. We don't see Joe for a long time. I'm sure you picked up on it. Every title of every episode has something to do with death. I was certain Joe died and I was so bummed. (laughs) But spoilers, Joe is not dead.
0: They really kind of tease the viewer. They announce on television that Shirado Group is putting on another tournament and the news guy says the title has been vacant since the last one. All right, what happened? Did Joe win it and then die? We're left to wonder what the outcome was and at the very end, the final 10 seconds or so. Uh, Well, I don't want to jump too far. We do see Joe at some point, and we find out that he's alive, and they both survived, but still, they're not telling us who won it, and at the very end, the final 10 seconds, it fades to black, and we see, winner by knockout in the 13th round, Gearless Joe.
1: Yeah, and then it fades to
0: black. And so Joe did win. It's open-ended enough to where he could fight again in the future if he wants, but you get the feeling that he doesn't really have that drive now that he has defeated Yuri and that that was probably the peak of his life.
1: I agree. The final scene, he's dancing in the desert by himself. You just don't see Joe doing anything even remotely like that throughout the entire show so you can tell his attitude's way different i i don't think he'll be fighting anymore i really wanted to see yuri get knocked out i, I think that would have been cool but i'm happy i'm still happy with the ending
0: and I guess there are two things that we can take away from this. The first of which is they had to scale Yuri down or he would have absolutely obliterated Joe. It would have been no contest. And Yuri knows this too. And that's why he gets that gear ripped out because they establish very early on that he is the better fighter inherently. He's not fighting at 100%. You can see he's still very weak because of having that gear stripped out of him when he did. If he had kept that gear, he would have floored Joe within the first round easily. even without it, if he had been fighting at a hundred percent, he might've actually beaten him. So in order for us to get the ending where Joe wins, this is pretty much the only way they could have done it.
1: It did kind of give away the ending a little bit. Do you think it it cheapened Joe's victory at all?
0: No, because in the way that this universe was working, he would have had absolutely no chance at victory. If they don't strip Yuri of that gear, Joe doesn't win. And it's interesting that you mentioned that you thought he died because I've been reading through comments and stuff on some of these people who watch the original series. Apparently, the original series that this is a commemorative project for, Ashitano Joe, has a much more grim ending. And so the question for on everybody's mind coming into this was were they going to follow suit with that or were they going to change it? And we do get the happier ending about as happy as ending as we can get really for this series nobody dies yuri loses his legs but i mean he's not dead so that's cool and it seems like he also got his satisfaction we see a very humble yuri at the end of it not that he was ever overly arrogant or proud like mikio might have been but mikio becomes more humble and he seems to be at peace and yuri kind of got the fight of his life too he got maybe what he was looking for in all of that he was undoubtedly the best fighter out of the lot hadn't really been challenged in however long he had been the king of boxers and so joe and yuri both really have that moment and they get that satisfaction out of life and so maybe they're okay with it at that point and we don't really know one way or the other they don't specifically tell us but we're left pretty easily to assume that that's just how it is and it I'm okay with that as well. So, final thoughts overall, then, Sean, on Megalobox Box series as a total?
1: As a total, we compare it to the shows we've been watching, Darling in the Franks and Steins Gate Zero. I'd say it's leagues ahead of both of them. Really, I can't think of any negatives. I had a little bit of hesitation at the beginning, but this show really did deliver on all fronts.
0: Yeah, you cannot knock the animation because it was a deliberate attempt to look the way it did. Now, if you're not a fan of that 90s looking style and it just doesn't do it for you, then yeah, maybe you would have thought, eh, this is ugly, it takes me out of it. I grew up watching some of those shows. I'm not even that nostalgic about the era, honestly, but I really did like it. I felt nostalgic watching it without even really having a real stake in anything from the 90s, than Dragon Ball Z and maybe Sailor Moon. And the music, the soundtrack was awesome. Whether it was the background music or the songs themselves, the opening, the ending, very good music all around. And they even went back, hearkening back to the 90s with random little rap ciphers from the one kid, Sachio and other things, very 90s-esque Stuff they paid homage to that era very well. Now, because they were going for that look and feel, there were some things that nowadays, in terms of telling a story and such, probably weren't as good as they could have been. And because they were only doing it in 13 episodes, there were some things that ended kind of... Like the whole mob boss arc with Mr. Fujimaki. Okay, I'm gonna let them live because they've got guts and even though I'm out millions of dollars. You know, things like that, that narrative-wise, they're not as strong as they probably could have been. But overall, the story does come together very well. For only 13 episodes, they told a very complete story. I liked all of the characters. I even thought even the little kid, Sachio became notably less annoying by the end of the series. And so overall, very good take. I'm gonna do one of my usual reviews for this at some point crunch the numbers but this on a whim right here I'm gonna say this is at least gonna be an eight for me a very very good eight
1: I do agree with you the Fujimaki arc Really didn't make any sense. No mob boss is just going to, oh, well, I'm out of money. I guess that's it. Wow, these guys are really tough. Cool. That's my only ding. Eight and a half. I really like this one.
0: So there you have it, folks. Definitely a recommendation from both of us for Box. If you did not get around to watching it this past spring season, definitely put that one on your list. It's at least worth a try. It's time now, though, to reach ever so shortly back into the vaults of series past and retrieve last season's, well, now that we're in the summer season, pretty much, we should say the winter season's Violet Evergarden. It was Sean's pick for the week, uh, but it's also one that I've been wanting to watch for several months now, and it's very interesting because we had talked about this last week when we were going to initially do it. Sean was not able to catch up on it because he had to work a double shift or something like that. We had talked, yeah, two doubles. We had talked, and you were not really feeling it at that point, and I thought, ooh, this could be juicy, maybe we'll have our first major disagreement here on the podcast. At any rate, the anime is a drama adapted from a light novel series that follows a former super soldier named Violet as she attempts to acclimate to life following the Great War. She's basically raised in the heat of battle her whole life and has a tough time adjusting to civilian life. After recovering from some injuries incurred in one of the final battles of the war, she's left with some pretty dope metal arms and a strong desire to understand the meaning of the last words she heard from someone very close to her. Sean, thoughts on Violet Evergarden?
1: Well, initially, I didn't like it. I watched the first three, no, first four episodes, and I was super bored. I was like, what is this? She writes love letters? (laughs) Who cares? Nine more episodes of this girl writing letters? So I was really kind of turned off, and um, I ended up reading some, a little bit of reviews, which kind of spoiled it a little bit for me but they were like yeah if you make it past the first four but i can see that's where most people are going to drop it because it really picks up after that all right i guess and the same thing happened to me with no game no life i dropped that up that show Mm -hmm. and ended up actually liking it when i picked it back up so the same thing happened here (laughs) although um i recognize just how well made the show is Mm -hmm. and it did end up actually not being boring at all the first four episodes were boring so I took it like it's about this girl that writes letters but that's not what it is this girl she writes letters for people but she's learning about herself through these people that she's writing letters for so it's like they're telling the story of Violet through other people's little tiny story arcs so it made it a lot more interesting what do you think Derek
0: well I started this series on a Saturday night and I watched the first three episodes, then the next four the following Monday, and then the last six on the following Tuesday night. I finished all 13 episodes in three nights. I'm gonna preface the rest of this by acknowledging that I am a sucker for dramas. It's because of that though, that I can be kind of a snob when evaluating them. There are a lot of people that are saying Darling in the Franks is more of a drama and that's what they were going for. And that's true, that doesn't make it a good drama as far as I'm concerned. I know because I'm a snob for dramas because I'm a sucker for them. So does Violet Evergarden pass muster for Derek? Yes, it does. Here's why. We'll start with what you mentioned just now, Sean, actually that narrative format where we're learning about Violet and Violet's learning about herself through different accounts of her. After taking a couple of episodes to set things up, we shift to an episodic series of accounts of Violet's time as an auto-memory doll. Each episode pretty much has its own independent conflict, introduction, and resolution of some kind. But in one way or another, it contributes to the development of a much larger story arc that spans the entirety of the series. The final fourth of the show, roughly, then revisits that more linear, continuous style of narration to wrap things up. Despite tearing through all 13 episodes in three nights, I actually think that format, which is a lot like what we saw in Death Parade, actually, is better suited to be watched on a weekly release basis, because each episode feels complete, doesn't it? You're not being strung along by an annoying chain of last-minute cliffhangers every week, cough, cough, Steins Gate Zero, but in each one of these episodes, our protagonist is coming to understand her own emotions in addition to everyone else's, which is what the main story is actually about.
1: You could actually just watch like episode five without seeing one Mm -hmm. two three and four and have a good good experience i think Mm -hmm. especially the later episodes holy cow man those are some gut-wrenching episodes after episode 10 and 11 is just like yeah it is
0: drawing a parallel again to the death parade style of narration right where we've got these little independent arcs but there's this bigger story playing out in the backdrop and I really do like that format because you can jump in it seems just about and you're not going to pick up on everything you're not going to have the full experience obviously you really want to watch it start to finish but because each episode has its own story pretty much included within it you don't feel like you're really missing anything from week to week or that you're being strung along from week to week you get a problem and you get closure while it's still contributing to the greater part of the story now there are some things that i didn't like about said story like many dramas there's a certain coincidental convenience that occurs at key plot points for instance particular characters showing up in particular places at just the right times to meet just the right people right these moments do require a little willingness to go along i think but in exchange for much heavier emotional effect
1: episode 10 I don't even know if I want to explain it
0: I don't think you can you really want to go along for the ride with dramas like this the emotional impact is the draw that's what they're going for and so yeah we we don't really want to speak too much about it because i have a feeling that we're both going to give this a recommendation at the end but we will continue just for the heck of it we're going to continue through this with the process that we usually do that emotional effect trade the willing suspension of disbelief in exchange for the added emotional punch is a trade i'm willing to make every time the bigger complaint i do have is that i felt the series conclusion wasn't as strong as it could have been I, I did like the last couple of episodes I thought they were very fun to watch but it felt a little out of place to me relative to the rest of the feel and flow that everything prior was did you get that too or did the ending really seal the deal for you
1: no, the the final episode, like the the battle on the mm-hmm. train, it, it was a little out. It felt a little out of place. Mm-hmm. I don't think it really took away too much. I don't know. It it doesn't negatively affect the rating for me.
0: I do think. <laughs> They could have rearranged some things and ended it at 10 episodes, and I probably wouldn't have liked it any less. So, yeah, it's not really a full criticism saying that it made it worse for me. I just don't think that the ending made it any better. That said, still very very good. I could get nitpicky as well and say, oh, well, there's no way she's supposed to be 14. That's a dumb age for her to be. She doesn't look 14. You know, other trivial stupid things like that, but the fact of the matter is this is a very good series, and like you mentioned at the very beginning of this, the production quality is of a very very high caliber. Overall direction and scene construction is brilliant. The way they balance transitions within scenes, like events happening in current time with events that happen in the past, or even just between different scenes themselves. Shot selection, sound design, all very good. There's an episode, I want to say midway through the series, that I really like that will hopefully better explain what I just said. Uh, It's when Violet goes to the observatory and works with that scribe who's about her age. There are two scenes that I really like, that I feel are really well executed, in that episode but the one i'm going to bring up right now takes place outside the observatory during lunch the one kid i forget his name but violet's uh, working with him he goes outside to invite her to a viewing event for a comet that's going to be passing by a comet that they've been transcribing documents for and the music is very whimsical to set the tone right off the bat The kid is super nervous about asking her to go to the viewing, which is very apparent in his facial expressions and voice acting. He's also holding this loaf of bread, right? And he's becoming increasingly nervous to more or less ask her out. He's just crushing this bread he's holding in his hands with nervous energy. We get extreme close-up of him... And his nervous face, then Violet's very blunt, mechanical, emotionless replies because she still doesn't quite understand human emotion at this point and what's going on. And then we get an extreme close up of this loaf of bread just starting to twist under his nerves and the tension and it's like that hard exterior french bread so you hear it and this is the sound design coming you hear it starting to crack as he's trying his hardest to extend his invitation possibly bracing for her to say no because she's not really playing along and we follow this pattern of shot selection for a couple moments till she agrees to go with him and then that twisted bread just rips in half but the tension that's been building up is gone now and I thought that that was a very well done scene
1: oh yeah this, this is easily one of the highest production quality shows maybe even the best looking and uh, that bread scene that whole time you know i wasn't even thinking about those points he made all i was thinking about was how he ruined the bread and how i was <laughs> I, I was mad i was like dude what are you doing to th- come on man that's good bread
0: it did look like good bread The music, very orchestral, very fitting for the half-fantasy, half-historical feel they were going for. There were only a couple instances in which I thought the music did not complement the imagery or dialogue. The animation is superb, like you were saying. This is one that if Netflix is ever kind enough to give us a physical copy release, I will have to buy it on Blu-ray because watching it in 480p DVD quality just will not do it justice.
1: I actually think there is a Blu-ray, Blu. Is there? Yeah, I think so, and it's on four discs. I re. Ah, oh, God, I hope I'm not just. Making well, that they are. There sure. are
0: Japan localizations of it, and that comes up actually because the most recent one, which comes out July 4th, is coming with an additional episode that's supposed to take place between four and five. So, if you already have seen this series and you're listening to this just because you love us, take note of that. There is another episode that's going to be released with this, but that, as far as. I know is an Asian release thing. I don't know if it's been localized stateside yet.
1: You I've... might have to sail the seven seas to get a copy. <laughs> um, Someone'll put it up there on the internet.
0: At the end of the day though, Violet Evergarden is a human interest story. It's not trying to comment on some moral or philosophical dilemma. It's not trying to keep you on the edge of your seat from week to week with gratuitous bouts of cliffhanger action or suspense. There might be some elements of those things, but they're not the focus. If you want that kind of stuff, I think you should look elsewhere. But if you're even remotely interested in the idea of a fantastical drama with themes of love, loss, empathy, self-discovery, personal growth, anything like that, I will highly recommend Violet Evergarden. I give it a 9 out of 10.
1: So I'm going to rate it also a 9 out of 10, but I want to say I'm rating it this high as a recognition of how well it's made, not necessarily by how much I liked it, Mm -hmm. because I'm not really into dramas. So as a personal rating, like if I wanted to watch it again and rate it amongst shows that I actually like Mm -hmm. more, I'd probably only rate it like a 6. But recognizing just how well it's made, um, the story's fantastic, music, the way it looks, it's just it really is top notch. So I am gonna also give it a nine out of ten.
0: This almost is similar to to how you rated Devilman Man Cry Baby, where you were not a fan of it really at all, but you acknowledge that the sound design and some other elements of the production were very, very good. And Violet Evergarden is like that as well. In the written review that I posted earlier this week, I did rate the story and characters the lowest of the four categories, but the production value is so high that it just drags the overall rating That, and the fact that I do enjoy dramas, generally speaking, I got a lot of enjoyment out of this series. I love getting punched in the soul in stories like this. And I will go as far as to say, for the right person, this might be a series that I would potentially use to introduce someone to anime if they were unfamiliar with it, but curious and also a fan of dramas.
1: I think if it, I don't know, if it was for a girl. I don't want to. I'm not trying to disparage you, but
0: Call I mean, it's not. At no, 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 no. I maybe should. You did been. this with a place further than the universe, too, Sean. Yeah,
1: I like that show better <laughs> because it was funny and, and a little more. The like, were not there. like not so dramatic. But yeah, like I have a person in mind. She's seen me and my brother watch anime, and she's just like, oh, "What are you doing?" But I would recommend it to her. It is a touching story. It was a little boring in the beginning, but
0: and that's the difficulty with a lot of series that are truly end up great is oftentimes they start with a very slow burn, and that can be off-putting. But it seems like we bring Steinsgate up every week in one way or another. But again, I'm going to say for like the fourth time now, probably I almost dropped Steinsgate at four episodes. I thought this is slow. I don't really know where they're going with this. Mm. I'm sure glad that I didn't though. Violet Evergarden, a similar thing. Yeah, it does start out a little slow, particularly if you're not someone who's immediately sapped into that kind of stuff, like this guy here. It can be a slow start, but the middle and late stages of the series more than make up for that, and it does end up with a very nice, complete story. I think they could have made it truly a masterpiece if they, they were so close in many ways. But overall, again, still 9 out of 10 from Weabro Derek and a recommendation possibly for someone who might be curious but unfamiliar with anime. And the first half of 2018 is pretty much a wrap now. We look to the very near future. As with every new season, there's plenty of shows brimming with potential more than can possibly be consumed by the average viewer. If you're still trying to decide which ones you should spend your ever-so-valuable time on this summer, you've come to the right place. We're going to take quick looks now at several of the shows starting up this month in July. We'll jump right into it. The third season of Shingeki no Kyojin or Attack on Titan, probably the most anticipated series airing this summer. Season 2 was a bit of a letdown for a lot of people, myself included. I'll be honest I don't remember most of it at this point but a renewed optimism is in the air. The story continues and we hope that many of the questions that were unanswered at the end of the second season will be addressed this time around like what is in the basement of Aaron's dad's house, Sean?
1: A whole bunch of porno.
0: Another big sequel airing this season is Overlord 3. The second season of the RPG-esque action series aired this past winter and it did a whole lot of world building. The question now is what are they gonna do with all the different characters and factions that they introduced? I'm looking forward to this one, Sean. I know you are as well. And I think we can probably say that Attack on Titan and Overlord 3 are going to be the ones that will pick up for the week in review for the summer.
1: Oh yeah, totally. Those two You gotta pick them.
0: Now, if you're into the whole Isekai RPG-esque series and you've either never picked up Overlord or you're looking for something new, there are a couple others out there that may be of interest to you. The first of which is Shichisei no Subaru in the popular MMORPG World Union there exists a legendary party named Subaru. This party, made up of a group of childhood friends and elementary schoolers, very young kids at the time, exceeded the limits of the game. However, it's shut down after an incident that leads to the death of a player. Six years later, now high schooler Haruto wogs into new Reunion, the new game that's come out and comes into contact with one of his old party members, the one that supposedly died six years prior. So spooky. Also there is Isekai Maoto uh what is it? Shokan Shoujo no Doyre Dorei Majutsu, I butchered that, but that's what it is, how not to summon a demon lord. It follows Sakamoto Takuma, a man regarded as the Demon King, in a popular MMORPG game. One day, he gets summoned to another world with his appearance and abilities as they are in the game. There he meets the two girls who supposedly summoned him. They cast some slave magic that backfires, and thus begins the tale of the socially awkward but insanely strong Demon King.
1: That one sounds cool too, man. Shoot.
0: And the isekai genre has blown up over and there were several series like Log Horizon and other things that had come along the way but it seems Sword Art Online really renewed a lot of interest in the whole trapped in another world thing and there have been so many series that play off this. Overlord obviously successful enough now to be in its third season. Sword Art Online recently got its spinoff Gun Gale Online. We've watched No Game No Life and this is a very popular genre. Another one that I will say you should watch at some point, Sean now that you've got three <laughs> that potentially sound interesting, one that you will, of course, be watching, is Konosuba. That is another fantastic one that one day, if you ever find time, you should just annihilate over the course of the day, though there are two seasons, so that might be a little difficult. Now, if you fancy sports anime, the third season of Free airs this summer as well. That one follows a men's swimming and dive team, a very popular show amongst the female viewers, Sean. Oh, yeah. A show that will <laughs> undoubtedly be very popular amongst the male anime fandom is Harukana Receive. The story follows a pair of girls in a beach volleyball tournament. Kanata, oh. who had given up on volleyball, is convinced by Haruka to step back onto the sand once again. I normally pick a sports series to watch every season. I won't be watching either one of those. I'll be watching Hanabato or Badminton. Ayano Hanasaki is the... She's a first-year high school student with some mean birdie skills, yet she avoids playing the sport of badminton. She meets a third-year student, though, who practices day and night, aiming to become the best player in Japan. Does the thought of competitive badminton not thrill you, Sean?
1: It sounds more interesting than the other two. I'd, I'd much rather watch that.
0: That dropped today, so I might be watching that tonight after the show. Now, if you prefer period pieces, Angle Mois may be right up your alley. The great king comes from the other side of the sea. It's a big incident. Uh, It's a historical incident, Genko, that shook medieval Japan, and this draws upon that. So if you're into those period pieces, if you're into the samurai-type story and you want something that's got some historical inspiration, that is one for you. And now we'll get into the more miscellaneous portion of the preview, less genre-specific, more so ones I just think might be interesting. Happy Sugar Life is centered on high school girl Sato Matsuzuka, who befriends a mysterious young girl named Shio. Now, Sato has this reputation, kind of, of being pretty easy, uh, but she immediately falls in love with this girl, this Shio girl, and she vows to protect this sweet feeling, even if she has to deceive, steal, or even kill to do so. That's one I don't know if I'll be watching week to week, but I do actually plan on going back to that one at the end of the season if i don't get around to it because i'm a big fan also of the psychological thriller type and that seems like that's exactly what this one's gonna be
1: oh really i thought it was gonna be more like citrus
0: i did watch citrus but i don't get this feeling at all because they they go out of the way to mention that she's going to it's probably going to be one of those weird obsessive things deceive steal even kill uh this is oh. going to be one of those psycho thriller type stories I believe and with a name like Happy Sugar Life as well yeah. there's probably some sinister something behind that also chio chan no Tsugakuro or Chio's School Road follows a girl on her way to school that's it she takes the same way every day but her usual route becomes increasingly unusual as she tries every day to make it to school on time and that's one that I will be watching week to week
1: Man, you're going to be a busy guy.
0: I've got oh. at least six. No, I make no guarantees, but uh, I'm going to gun for six this season because I do want to watch that one. Now, there's always one that stirs a little controversy each season. This time around, it's Backstreet Girls, in which a group of three Yakuza members screw up and they're given the choice of either committing suicide or going to Thailand to get sex change operations in order to become female pop idols. They choose. My God. The, they choose the latter. Uh, And the show has received a little bit of criticism already for seemingly making fun of transgender issues. But we'll see where they end up going with it. It could be pretty comical still.
1: That's uh, interesting.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's an interesting concept. Again, we'll have to see where they go with it. My guess is a lot of the humor is probably going to be more so derived from these criminal individuals who are probably formerly super masculine men now attempting to be female pop idols and that's one again I'm probably not going to spend time with this season but it might be a fun one to go revisit sometime in the future another one that's really kind of out there in premise is banana fish there are just a couple more that I want to get to specifically we're at the last two on the list now because I know you do probably have to get to bed now yeah Uh, Jashin Chan dropkick otherwise titled dropkick on my devil is one that I'm looking forward to it's about a delusional girl named urine who summons a demon girl with the tail of a Cobra. They'll have to live together until she finds a way to send Josh and Chan back to hell or until she kills Urine. It's described by my anime list as a violent slapstick comedy. Lastly, Sean, have I ever told you I was a biology minor in college? Nope. Well, yeah, I didn't really have an intention of pursuing a career in biology or ecology or anything like that, but I didn't want to completely give up the sciencey stuff either, so I stuck with biology up through graduation. I haven't done a single biology-related thing, or science-related really thing, occupation-wise since, but the fact remains I'm a bit of a dork for it. Hataraku Saibo, Cells at Work here in the West, is a story of the unsung heroes and the drama that unfolds inside your body. Do you remember the movie Osmosis Jones with Bill Murray and Chris Rock? Oh yeah, (laughs) I imagine this will probably be the anime equivalent to that where we'll get personified versions of various cells in our bodies doing various cell stuff and that is another one I will be watching this summer there are still several more we did not get to Uh, Angel of Slaughter is another one that people are going to say is really popular the new Gintama there are ones that we did miss here if you plan on watching them this season let us know in the comment section of the blog you never know you might help us out or somebody else find a series that they really end up liking, so do share your thoughts on this. Some of the shows are starting up next week, this week even, so if you haven't decided which ones you're going to watch yet, you better get on that. We'll be back next week with Season 2 of the Weebros Bros Anime Podcast. Uh, there is a chance I will not have internet that weekend, but no. hopefully, hopefully we can still record something that week. That'll do it for this one, though. Thanks for listening.
1: Thanks, everyone. Have a good night. See ya.